serve my voice till I can get over this stuff all together. But I want to talk to you just uh, as your pastor from my heart to you with a new year uh, starting up. I want to speak to you about something that I think is very important and it applies to all of us. Now, before I do that, let's have a word of prayer and then, then we'll get started this evening. Father, tonight as we once again come to your word, I pray that what we study, that we will see it with, uh, with fresh eyes, with new eyes. And Father, we will uh, have that, that longing to hear from you. And right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be building that anticipation in our heart to go to your word and to hear from your word. Bless this time together, and may it be pleasing unto you and uplifting unto us. In Christ's name, amen. Now, I want to ask you a question, folks. Have you ever been so worried about anything at any time in your life that you couldn't sleep? Oh, everybody, well, yeah, I'll have. Now, I'm, I'm talking about worried. I'm not talking about not sleeping for a day or two, but I'm talking about not sleeping for several months. You ever been through something like that? It can wear you out in a hurry, can't it? Well, I want to share with you a true story. Uh, there was a, a preacher. He was dealing with uh, some problems related to the ministry, and he became so obsessed with it and so worried. By the way, this is a true story. That for several months, he couldn't sleep more than about three or four hours at a shop. I mean, if he was lucky. And he began to realize that that was going to destroy him because he couldn't keep going physically. His energy was being sucked down the drain of worry. I mean, his, uh, emotionally, his happiness was being blown away by the winds of worry. And I'm going to tell you, spiritually, his joy was being burned up in the furnace of worry. Then literally, one day, his worry basically dissipated. It left. You say, what, what was the secret? Well... Understand, it wasn't that he no longer cared about what was going on in his church and what was happening. It, it, it was because not, but I want to say this, but many people get the idea that, that uh, when you don't worry that you don't care. That, that's not true, folks. Not worrying doesn't mean you quit caring. All right, It's not that uh, he didn't quit thinking about how to deal with the situation that faced him because worrying doesn't mean that you just give up. Understand, there's a vast difference between being proactive toward a problem and being preoccupied with the problem. There's a great difference toward a, uh, folks uh, being active in solving a problem and then being anxious because you have a problem to start with. Everybody understand that? What happened then was this preacher realized that his priorities were out of line. And he realized that when your priorities are out of order, Worry is going to happen, and it's going to happen every time. This uh, also, I can illustrate it this way from another true story. I read about an incident that took place in Desert Storm. <coughs> there was a colonel by the name of Colonel William Post, and I don't know how many men was under his command, a bunch of men apparently, but he had one group of guys, and they were charged with receiving the uh, supplies for the U.S. ground forces. Now, every day, of course, they had tons of supplies and tons of food coming in. Well, because he, had, he was overseeing that group that was in charge of that, he received a message from the Pentagon. And they were requesting that he give an accounting for 40 cases of missing grape jelly that never turned up. 
Now, Colonel Post sent a soldier to investigate. The soldier went and tried to find the 40 cases of jelly. He come back said, Colonel, I cannot find them. Colonel Post said, don't worry about it. It's grape jelly. He sent his report in. He assumed that that would be the end of it. After all, it was grape jelly. But remember, this is the Army and the government's involved in it. Okay? So the Pentagon continued to press the colonel. And they pointed out to him they needed to close their books out for the month. And they could not just let 40 cases of grape jelly vanish. So they ordered him to give an all-out effort, a concerted effort, to find these missing cases of grape jelly. Well, it just so happened that Colonel Post had a lot of years' experience. And he's also a combat veteran. So he went about as far as he could, and he sent a reply to him. It was kind of terse, but listen to what he said. He said, sirs, you must decide. I can dispatch the entire army to find your missing jelly, or I can dispatch the entire army to liberate Kuwait, but I can't do both. Which will it be? Now, folks, he never got a reply back from that, I might add, and he never had to worry about jelly after that either. Now, I told you that story because the wise colonel, folks, he realized something his superiors did not, and that is when your priorities are out of order, you're going to be preoccupied with the wrong things. When your priorities are out of order, you're also going to be focused on the wrong things. And as a result of that, worry is going to happen. And worry is unproductive and unnecessary. Now, the truth is, focusing on one thing or, or even focusing on a few things, it can be dangerous if what you're focusing on are the wrong things. That's why tonight I want to talk to you about first things. Being the, the new year, and, and I know, does anybody else have trouble with worry at times? I think this is very applicable, very practical for all of us tonight. So I want to talk to you about first things. And when we focus on the wrong things, it leads to problems that we all have to deal with to one degree or another. And the biggest problem it leads to, I'll say it again, is a problem called worry. Now I want you to turn your Bibles to a very, very familiar passage, and that's Matthew chapter 6. This is the greatest sermon ever been preached in the universe. And the greatest sermon ever preached in the universe, this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus himself preaching it, the single longest section of this of this message deals with worry. Have you ever thought about that? The greatest sermon ever preached, Jesus deals more with worry than he does with anything else. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6, and I want you to look at verse, let's start with verse 25. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, and I'm reading out of the ESV, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now I find it amazing, folks, that Jesus pointed out that people worried about things 2,000 years ago just like we worry today. And in fact, they worried about somewhat of the same things that we worry about today. Not exactly the same things. It was a different culture, a different time back then. But verse 25, again, it says, wherefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now I want you to think about something, particularly folks here in America. We don't normally worry about having something to eat, something to drink, or something to wear. I mean, is that not true? Now I do realize, folks, even though most of us don't worry about that, there are people who are struggling and they're having a tough time. I also realize, and I'm not denying the fact, that I know in our country there are children that are hungry, there are parents or adults uh, that are hungry, 
But let's be honest. When's the last time you honestly heard about somebody starving to death here in America? Honestly, when's the last time you heard of that? Folks, statistics show that we waste and throw away more food in a year than most third world countries will consume in a year. <clears throat> but the fact is we still worry about life. We not, may not worry about what we're going to eat or what we're going to drink or what we're going to wear, but we worry about things like mortgage payments, having a job, health insurance, uh, you know, paying for college, worrying about things like that. In other words, we worry about finances. Now, <clears throat> poor people, they worry because they don't have any money. Rich people worry because they think they don't have enough money. Poor people spend their life, folks, looking for money. Rich people spend their life trying to store up and save money. Now, Jesus does mention something. I want you to look at verse 25 again. <coughs> that people worried about back 2,000 years ago that many people still worry about today, and that's our body. Did you catch that? Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body. Everybody is born with a self-consciousness of how they look and how they appear to other people. Now, we live in a society that... It seems like most people, they are so worried about their appearance. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with taking care of yourself, dressing nice, looking nice, you know, wearing makeup. And I've told you before, some folks need makeup, honestly. Some folks need nice clothes. It, it, it looks better when they have nice clothes and makeup. But we become so obsessed worrying about what other people think about our appearance. I mean, is that not, is that not a case? If we weren't so obsessed about it, there wouldn't be multi-billions worth of dollars spent on advertising talking about appearance. You know, <laughs> I remember hearing the story, and this is a true story. You won't think I'm making this up. But I heard a true story about an older man who had braces put on his false teeth so he'd look younger. <laughs> yeah. That's true, folks. Are we not obsessed with our appearance? You know, Marsha and I was in the city, what, a week ago when we was moving Rachel. And we, we were in the north side of Oklahoma City, and that's, you know, that's kind of an upper crust part of town over there. And needless to say, I was driving my beat-up Dodge diesel truck, and it didn't fit in over there, that part of town. Marsha said, I'm going to stop at this grocery store. It was a fancy grocery store. Okay, she was in the other truck. It's a little newer, so it looked a little better. We pulled in the parking lot. I was driving that Dodge. Now, I park in the back 40 when I drive that because you can't get that truck into regular parking spaces. So I parked way out yonder with nobody around me. Marcia parked over here. I started to get out of the truck, and this rich lady pulled right in beside me. And I could not get my door about that much where I could squeeze my big body out of that door. So I was kind of aggravated from the start. I'm like, lady, are you kidding me? There's a whole parking lot out here, and you got to pull right next to me. She gets out of my truck. I, I had a hurt car. <laughs> Let me say this. She gets out of her car, and she looks at my truck like my truck's going to bite her fancy car. And I could see it in her face. And then I realized this is a rich woman. And then I noticed and I shook my head, and Marcia said, I wondered if you'd noticed that. She has her hair dyed and piled up, 
She's got on, I don't know how many tons of makeup, and she's dressed like she's 20 years old and she's 60-something. And I thought, my soul, sweetheart, if you'll wash that garbage out of your hair and get a putty knife and get rid of that makeup, you'd look like the crypt keeper. <laughs> I mean, what is it? Why are we so obsessed and worry so much about our appearance? But there's something else I want to show you, folks. There's one particular thing. Now, not all of us maybe worry about finances or worry about appearance, but I guarantee you there's one thing that all of us in this room and everybody I know at one time or another, it stays on our mind and we worry about it. It plays on our mind to one extent or another, and that is we worry about the future. I mean, it's true, is it not? We still have problems in worrying about the future. That's why Jesus concludes this section of his message with this lesson. Look at verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day <coughs> is its own trouble. You know, so often, and I heard somebody say this years ago, but it's true, we allow the clouds of tomorrow to cover up the sunshine of today. We spend so much time worrying about tomorrow, we don't live today. I'm going to tell you something, and you probably already know this. If not, let me clue you in. If you want to live a life that is unproductive, that is miserable, that is unhappy, you just spend your time doing one thing, and that is worrying. And if you worry constantly and worry all the time, you will be miserable. You will be unproductive. Now, what Jesus does in this passage that we're all familiar with, folks, he does us a big favor. He evaluates the reason why we worry, and then he eliminates the cause of worry for us, and then he elevates us above worry. First, what he does, he gives us the negative side of the problem, and then he's going to give us the positive side of the solution. Now, Jesus, maybe you never thought about this, but he is very determined to stop worry. You say, how do you know that, preacher? I know because three times in this passage here, verse 25, verse 31, verse 34, he repeats the same phrase. Therefore, do not be anxious. Or in the King James, he says, take no thought. Don't worry is what he's saying. The word in the Greek that's used for anxious or for worry or to take no thought Folks, it's a combination of two smaller words. The first word means to divide. The second word means the mind. So in other words, to worry is to have a divided mind. You know, there's a phenomenon today, and it's been around for several years now, known as multitasking. And there's a lot of folks that believe they're real good at multitasking. But let's just be honest about it. We know that when we multitask, we're not doing anything very well. I mean, that's, that's a fact. I can use an illustration. My brother would call me at times, <clears throat> and both of us being pastors, and both of us usually are busy. we got things going on. But he'll call me and say, hey, I need to talk to you. Okay. And he'll say, hang on just a minute. I'll wait a minute. He'll come back on. Okay. All right. He'll say, oh, wait a minute. And then he'll come back on. And then I'll hear the keys on the computer going. And I said, are you sending emails? What are you doing? Well, I'm just answering a few while we're talking. I said, all right, partner, here it is. You shut that computer down. You shut your office door. If you need to talk to me, talk to me. Don't have that divided mind. Because, folks, here's the simple truth of it. If we have a divided mind, it always leads to diminished performance. So in worry, that means we have a divided mind. Well, you say, preacher, how do you stop having a divided mind? Well, one thing we know for sure doesn't work. Let's talk about what doesn't work with this. Overcoming worry. Have you ever worried about something and somebody come to you and say, well, quit worrying about it? You ever had that happen? 
Let me ask you, has that ever helped? I mean, honestly, has that really helped? When, when I'm worrying about something and somebody finds out about it and they come to me and they say, well, just quit worrying about it. You know what that does? It makes me worry about them. I say, you're that ignorant to think that's really going to help. Jesus does something that's unbelievable. He actually gives us something uh, useful in this situation. And what Jesus does, he does something that no psychologist, I don't think, would ever think about. He said one of the ways to quit worrying is to become a bird watcher. Because look at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, I think I've told you this before going over this passage, but I want to ask you something. Have you ever seen a stressed-out bird? Have you ever seen a bird pacing back and forth on a limb, worried to death because he don't know where he's going to get his next meal or because he don't know where he's going to sleep at night? Let me tell you something. I defy you to find this. Throughout the history of medicine in this world, you will never find one incident where a bird was treated for hypertension or you know, high blood pressure, stress, or stroke. Now, I said all that to say this, folks. Jesus said we need to learn a lesson from the birds. They sing, they chirp, they fly, they build their nest, but they don't worry. And here's the thing I want you to grasp. They don't know they have a God in heaven who takes care of them, but you and I do. Jesus said be a bird watcher. There's a lot we can learn from birds about what not to do. And by the way, while I'm here, let me say this. found something out in a study about birds. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, you know, she eats like a bird. Let me remind you of something. A lot of birds, they eat on average three times their own body weight every day. So if somebody tells you, well, you eat like a bird, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Because <laughs> if most humans eat like a bird, they'd have to eat 300 to 800 pounds of food a day. I've seen some people that maybe they do eat like a bird. But I want you to notice, look at verse 27. Jesus takes us from bird watching and gives us a math lesson. Now, look at verse 27. He says, and which of you, being anxious, can add or worrying, can add a single hour to a span of life? You know what? You don't add one thing to your life when you worry. I bet people who wish, uh, folks, that they weren't so short. Well, worrying about it is not going to make you any taller. I've met people who wished they would lose weight. They worry because they, they want to lose weight. Well, worrying about that is not going to lose one pound. I've met people who, they, uh, you know, they, they worry about having enough time in the day. Wish I had more time. Well, worrying about having more time is not going to add one minute. Listen to me. Worry has never solved a problem. It's never dried a tear. It's never lifted a burden. It's never removed an obstacle. And worry has never, not once in the history of the world, made a bad thing good or a good thing better. Worry accomplishes nothing other than destroying us. Somebody said that worrying, and I wrote this down, worrying is like a shovel, like shoveling smoke. You're not any better off when you finish than you were when you got started. That's the way worry is. I want you to listen to me, folks. If you don't get anything else in the message, I got something for you, practical here. Write this down. Write down these two statements. There are two things you should never, ever worry about. Number one, here it is. Never worry about things you can change. You know why? Because if you can change it, what are you worrying about? Change it. Don't worry about things you can change. But here's the second statement. Never worry about things you can't change. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if you can't change, any, change it, then what are you going to worry about it? 
It doesn't do a bit of good. So listen, except for the things you can change and the things you can't change, as your pastor, I'm inviting you to worry about everything else. <laughs> now Jesus gets down to the root of the problem. And here's the problem. You know what the problem is with worry? And just simple, folks. It's lack of faith. It's weak faith. I want you to notice. Look at verse 28 through 30. Jesus said, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. And he says, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You know, I love the certain Jesus was a master teacher and a master storyteller. He said, not even Solomon was dressed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you, of little faith? Now, Jesus, he talked about the birds of the air, talked about the flowers of the field, and he boils our whole problem down to one thing when we worry. You know what that one thing is? Puny faith. Little faith. Now, that's not my words. That's Jesus' words. But it gets even better. Jesus kind of sticks a knife in and twists it a little bit. Look at verse 31 32. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, now you can translate that, unbelievers, the unbelievers seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Do you know, and I heard a preacher say this, and I thought, I don't know if he's right or not, but you know, after I thought about it, yeah, he was right. Do you know what worry is? Worry is practical atheism. It's practical atheism. Let me make it as simple as I can. A, B, C, D. You ready for this? A, there is a God. B, that God is in control of my life. C, that God loves me and cares for me. So A, if there is a God, and B, that God's in control of my life, and C, that God loves me and cares for me, then D, why should I worry? Why should I worry? The only reason at the bottom of why we do worry, folks, is because we either don't believe there's a God, or if we believe there's a God, we don't believe that He controls our life or even if we believe there's a God and believe he controls our life, we do not believe that he cares about us. Otherwise, there'd be no need to worry. Jesus has spent all this time and all these verses talking about the problem from a negative standpoint. Now he gives the solution to the problem. Look at verse 33, the one that most people are familiar with. The solution to the problem is proper focus. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, the operative word, folks, the most important word in that entire verse, that passage here, is the word first. I want to encourage you to underline that or circle it, highlight it in your Bible. Are you ready for this? The solution to worry is simply putting first things first. Get your priorities straightened out. This is what I want to, I want to give you something. This is what I want to give you to walk out the door with tonight. Now, I'm not done yet, so don't get your stuff together. I got, I got a little bit more. But I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and I want you to write it down. Keep this with you. And it's four P's. You ready? Proper priorities promote peace. Proper priorities promote peace. When you're focused on the right things, you won't be worried, friend, about the wrong things. Jesus says there are two things you ought to stay focused on, and it ought to be a laser focus in your life every day. He said it's his kingdom and his righteousness. To put it another way, you, me, if we're believers, we're children of God, we're to be focused, A, God's rule over my life, B, God's righteousness in my life. Now let me tell you what I mean when I say focus. 
And, and you all know this. I'm not talking about focus with the eyes. I'm talking about focus with the heart. Focusing with your eyes involves seeing. Focusing with your heart, you know what that involves? That involves surrender. Now, we're going to distill. Okay, let's boil down uh, everything in Jesus' sermon and, and the message of sermon I'm preaching tonight. And here it is, one simple sentence. Everything that's being taught here about worry, surrender your worries and focus on his will. That's simple, folks. It's simple. Proper priorities promote peace. Misplaced priorities, they multiply worries. Now, church, here's the truth. And let's just, uh, let's just cut to the chase, all right? Let's just get down to where the rubber meets the road. No matter what you say your priorities in life are, what you worry about is really your priority. See, you could say that, you know, let me put it this way. If you worry about making money more than you do by spending, making more money than you do by spending time with your kids, you can say your priority is your family, but it's not. If you worry more about buying a new TV than you do about giving God his tithe, you can say what you want to about the priority of God's work in your life, but it's not. You know, if uh, you're worried about how to cover up a sin rather than admitting it and repenting it, you can say that you're concerned about getting right with God. But, friend, in all honesty, you're not. Your priorities show different. Every day, Christian, your first priority should be his rule over your life and his righteousness in your life. And guess what happens? When you focus on his will, he takes care of the worries. Look at verse 33 again. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. All these things will be added to you. When you focus on what God wants you to do and what he wants to do in you and through you on a daily basis, when you do that, then God's going to take care of what needs to happen for you on a daily basis. Now here's a conclusion. Look at verse 34. Again, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, look one way, one way at a time. You say one way at a time. Yeah, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Look one way at a time. And then verse 34 tells us, live one day at a time. Don't live for tomorrow today. Live for today. Live the day in which you have. Don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. You need to meet today's problems with today's strength. Now, you may not realize this, but God does not give you strength to face tomorrow. He gives you strength to face the day right here and now. Many years ago, there was a man by the name of Sir William Osler. He was a, a very renowned Canadian physician, Canadian doctor. And he was invited to Harvard University to speak to the, the kids, the graduating class, about uh, how to make the most out of life. This man was very successful. And when he got there, he relayed a story to him that, that he experienced several years before that. He was on board an ocean liner. They were getting ready to leave port, and he uh, ran into the captain. Well, the captain recognized him, invited him to sit and have a cup of coffee, and they began to visit. Well, as they were visiting, he said there was an eardrum-shattering alarm that went off. He said, then all of a sudden, I heard metal grinding and hitting against one another and heard doors slamming shut. He said, I was worried. Look at the captain. The captain grinned. He said, it's okay. He said, we're doing a safety test. He said, a safety test. He said, yes, sir. He said, what, what you hear going on, he said, after the alarm, was the doors below deck 
the safety doors, the watertight doors on the compartments shutting. He said that way if we have a real problem, like say the Titanic run into an iceberg, he said those watertight doors will shut and it will seal off the ruptured compartment so it doesn't affect the rest of the ship. Now, using that as an illustration, I want you to listen to what Dr. Osler told those students. He said, each one of you is certainly a much more marvelous organization than that great ocean liner, and you're bound on a far longer and greater voyage. What I urge is that you learn to master your life by living each day in a daytight compartment, and this will certainly ensure your safety throughout your entire journey of life. Touch a button, and here at every level of your life, the iron doors shutting out the past, the dead yesterdays. Touch another button, and shut off with a metal curtain the future, the unborn tomorrows. Then you'll be safe for today. Do not think of the amount that you have to accomplish, the difficulties you have to overcome, but set earnestly at the little task near your elbow, letting that be sufficient for the day. For surely our plain duty is not to see what lies dimly at a distance, but to do what lies clearly at hand. Basically, he said the same thing Jesus did. I just think Jesus said it better and simpler. Jesus said, look one way at a time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and live one day at a time. Don't give so much thought to tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough problems of his own. Live the day you have right now. Now, I want to do something. I'm going to ask you as your pastor. I want you to do something practical tonight, okay? And it's going to help you. It'll help you in this new year. It'll help you continually if you'll do this. Go home tonight. Get a piece of paper. And on that piece of paper, write down, I don't know, three, four, maybe five things, the top three, four, five things that you are worried about right now. Then after you get them written down there, I want you to surrender those things one at a time to Jesus Christ in prayer. And then when you surrender them to him, Shift your focus. Change your priorities. Be obsessed with his kingdom and his righteousness and let him worry about everything else. You say, ah, sounds awful simple. Usually the best results are achieved by simple things. We forget the simple things. I'm going to tell you from experience, if you'll do this, it'll work. If you'll honestly, one at a time, just lay them before the Lord. So I give this to you. And then focus on what it is on his kingdom, his rights, and what he has called you to do, what he wants you to do, and you don't have to worry about the other things. Now, this is the ultimate question. I'm going to read you one more thing. I have no idea who wrote these words, but it, it's, it's worth hearing, and I want you to listen close. What does your life revolve around? Remember this as you consider your answer. We've made ourselves the center of everything in this world. But God will be at the center of everything in heaven. The decision you made or will make either for or against Jesus Christ should be measurable, now listen, by what your life revolves around. If it is not God, you won't like heaven and you probably won't get to go there. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? Well, I'm going to close right here, folks. Listen to me. I want you to make sure in this new year that you put first things first. And that you'll do that. And if you'll put first things first, and if you will, seek first God's kingdom, his righteousness. And you will strive to not just look one way, but live one day. Strive to not worry about tomorrow, but live for the day. I promise you, you're going to be happier. I promise you that life will bring, will have a, it'll bring life a new meaning. 
It'll bring life a new joy. Because I can tell you from experience, if you're worried about next week or next month or tomorrow, you can't live in the day. And if you can't live in the day and in the moment, then you're no good to the cause of Christ. You need to be able to live in the moment. You need to be able each and every day to set your focus on first things. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, may each one of us, right now at this moment, guided by your Holy Spirit, have a spiritual inventory, a spiritual check of our priorities in life. Father, I pray you'd show us what our true priorities are. And Father, I pray if they're not the right priorities, if first things are not first, you would convict us. You would show us that. And we'd make that right tonight. Father, I pray for those who perhaps are here tonight and they have uh, they've been dealing with the, the, the devastating enemy of worry. That, Father, they would grasp this great truth that when we put first things first, when we do seek your kingdom, your righteousness, that, Father, we have no need to worry. We have no need to be anxious about tomorrow or, or about next week or next year or anything in the future. Father, remind each of us who you are. Remind us who we are because of your grace, because of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that we would strive each day to live the life we should live, that we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't allow worry and opportunity to even enter in. Father, I pray for those tonight that are struggling, that they would see the priorities in their life and they would understand what needs to change, what needs to move, or what needs to be done away with. In Christ's name, amen. You stand, please.